Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. So funny because Spencer always says, hey, like turn your ringer off and stuff like that. We had someone's phone go off three times for a service. The ringtone was Uptown Funk, which is kind of peppy, you know what I mean? I kind of liked it. January 7th, 2024, happy New Year, whether you're joining us online or you're here in person. Look, I I know we're seven days in, but this is our first chance to hang out. So happy New Year. I have a New Year's gift for you. I'll explain it this way. Growing up in Alberta, I would have said to you, I think you have another gear. I think you have another gear. And and by the way, that's not disrespect 2023 for you. I'm sure it was amazing, or maybe it wasn't, you know. But I actually think you have another gear as we step into this year. And that rhymes. That's how good I am, you know. I could keep going. More in 2024. That, that's what I believe. And, and here's why. Here's why I say more in 2024. I find it annoying around this time of year when people say stuff like this. New year, new you. I don't like that. I don't want that. I definitely don't want that for you. See, here's what I know about you. You were placed on this planet for a reason. You're gifted. You're talented. You're intelligent. You're beautiful. You are purposeful. You were meant to live a life of hope and joy and peace and strength and love. Here's what happens to you and me, though. Life. Life happens, you know? And sometimes the me that I was created to be, the the you that you were meant to be, doesn't always show up. The pain from our past, the fear for our future kind of robs us of the opportunity of taking hold of this spectacular moment to bring everything we are to this moment. So I'm not saying new year, new you. What I am suggesting though is what we could really use from you this year, more you. The youest version of you that the world has ever seen this year. And towards that end, what I would like to do is launch into the most unique book study that we've ever done at Southside Church. We're gonna preach through Proverbs the Old Testament book of Proverbs. It's going to be very unique because in past times, we've gone verse by verse or chapter by chapter through books. Can't really do that with Proverbs. 915 verses in Proverbs, and every one is like its own little mini sermon. So that would be an 18-year series, which, by the way, I'm all for, but I just don't think you are. You're soft, you know what I mean? Like it's zero degrees this morning, and all you BC people are like, it's so cold. It's like minus 40 in Red Deer this morning. Where was I? What was I talking about? How did I get talking about Red Deer again? (laughs) Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. You know, and, and, and I honestly think that wisdom will determine whether or not you see more in 2024. I'm so excited to preach through Proverbs because I think if you're brand new, you're joining us online and church really isn't your thing yet. You got some questions. You're not sure about the Bible thing, the God thing, the Jesus thing. Most definitely not sure about church people thing. Me neither. Okay, but no matter where you stand with that, I'm telling you that the principles we're going to talk about in this series are going to help you. Even if at the end of it, you're still like, I still don't know. You're going to step into more than you've ever stepped into before just by applying these principles. And if church is your thing, whether you're 17 or 77, no matter how long you've been at church, what I want to challenge me with this year, no, I really, really do, 
This might be one of the most personal series that I've ever done. Because as church people, we put our faith in Jesus, which is exciting. You know what? And Jesus promises eternal life. I love that. I love that. That we're going to live forever. But it's probably important to note for you and me that he also promises abundant life. That my, my life isn't supposed to be like this grim, white-knuckle journey waiting for forever. That this spectacular moment matters. Fulfillment. Joy. Strength. Affected, effectiveness. Love. Right now. And right here. That's the dream. So instead of going verse by verse and chapter by chapter, what we're going to do in Proverbs, we're going to go theme by theme. We're going to cover a lot. How long is it going to be? I don't know. Pretty long, but not 18 years, okay? The first meta theme I want to cover over the first few weeks is the meta theme of Proverbs is wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom will determine whether or not we see more in 2024. Proverbs 8 says this about wisdom. Wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. I am Lady Wisdom and I live next to sanity. Knowledge and discretion live just down the street. I love those who love me. Those who look for me find me. God sovereignly made me the first, the basic, before he did anything else. I was brought into being a long time ago, well before earth got its start. I arrived on the scene before ocean. Yes, even before springs and rivers and lakes, before mountains were sculpted and hills took shape. I was already there, newborn, long before God stretched out earth's horizons and tended to the minute details of soil and weather and set sky firmly in place. I was there. When he mapped and gave borders to wild ocean, built the vast vault of heaven and installed the fountains that fed ocean. When he drew a boundary for sea, posted a sign that said, no trespassing and then staked out earth's foundations. I was right there with him, making sure everything fit. Day after day, I was there with my joyful applause, always enjoying his company, delighted with the world of things and creatures, happily celebrating the human family. Just three questions I have for you and me today. Question number one, what is wisdom? Question number two, why is wisdom a big deal? Why is it important? And question number three, how do I get it? What, why, and how? What is wisdom? What is wisdom? To answer that question, I want to first tell you what wisdom is not. Some people will describe wisdom as if it is the exact same thing as morality. That wisdom is knowing the difference between right and wrong and, and, and doing right and not doing wrong. So these people would tell you, like, wisdom is making decisions like this. Should I take the jelly bean out of the bulk food section in the supermarket or not? Should I cheat on my taxes? Should I lie to my spouse? Should I keep my commitments? Like, when I say I'm going to be somewhere, when I say I'm going to do something, should I be there? Should I do it? Morality. Some people will tell you, that's what wisdom is. It's right and it's wrong. What I want to suggest to you today is that morality is part of wisdom, but wisdom goes beyond morality. I'll explain that a little bit more as we go. Other people will tell you that wisdom is factual. It's true and false questions. You know, knowing a lot of stuff. 
In light of that, I thought I'd give you some stuff that you probably don't know already that you can put in your back pocket and carry around with you for the rest of the day. Here's one. Well, you might know this one. Maybe you do. Hot water freezes faster than cold water. Did you know that? I'll give you that one. The Mona Lisa has no eyebrows. Did you know that? No, you did not. <laughs> the, national animal, the national animal of Scotland is... Who said that? You're amazing. The unicorn. That's right. That's right. I found that kind of interesting. You're going to spend about 100 days on the toilet throughout the course of your life on average. Something you maybe didn't know. Um, oh, how about this one? Do you know how many flavors of Fruit Loops there are? Just off the top of your head. Do you have any, any idea? You guys just keep wrecking everything over here. Yeah, it's, 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 it's actually one. Which I found, I don't know, kind of devastating in a way. Factual decisions will look like this. Okay, I got 28 people coming over, and I want to give everyone two pieces of pizza. If I order one pizza that's eight pieces, how many pizzas do I have to order to feed everybody two slices of pizza? Okay, that's a factual decision. Or how about this? If I want to go watch the Canucks play, at Rogers Arena, which exit do I take off of Highway 1? Or if it takes me 25 minutes to get to work, what time should I leave if I want to get there on time? Some people will tell you, well, no, what wisdom is, is it's just knowing stuff. It's just factual. And I would suggest to you again that wisdom includes the factual, but is not limited to it. So now I want to give you some wisdom questions that you're going to face some version of in this year. Or at least some of them, right? Uh, here's one. Should I stay single or should I date? If I am currently dating, should I break up with that person? Should I dump them or not? Should I get married? If so, who should I marry? After we get married, should we have kids? How many kids should we have? Should we adopt? When should we start having kids? How do we raise our kids? What school do we put our kids in? What career should I pursue? What school should I attend? Which peer group should I associate myself with? Should I get a part-time job or should I study extra for school? Should I take a risk or should I play it safe? Should I step up and confront that person or should I let it slide this time? These are wisdom questions. I will tell you this, about 85% of the decisions that you make this year will not be moral, and they will not be factual. They will be wisdom. In other words, as I stand up here on the stage and say, man, we wanna see more for 2024, the quality of this year, the effectiveness of the year that we're about to step into for you will probably not be determined by morality, will probably not be determined by the stuff that you know. It will probably be determined by your level of wisdom. There's a problem that I have that you probably have too with wisdom though. See, there's something about the human condition that I love speed, simplicity, and certainty. I love speed, simplicity, and certainty. The thing is, wisdom isn't that. Wisdom isn't speedy, it takes time. Wisdom isn't simple. It's really, really nuanced. And, and, and wisdom often doesn't give us a sense of certainty. We'll walk away from a decision that we made using wisdom and go, I, I, I think that was right. 
but we always gravitate. We, we always want speed, simplicity, and certainty. So here's a temptation that you're going to face this year that I'm going to face this year. We're going to be tempted to take wisdom decisions and make them moral or factual decisions instead. Give me an example. I was 23 years old, just started teaching high school, okay? I had my class four license, which meant that I could drive a 15-passenger van. Because I could drive a 15-passenger van and because I was the newest teacher, I got the one picked to drive these kids all over the place on field trips, okay? So there's one particular field trip that we were going to go on, and I was going to take a group of grade 12s down to Seattle. So the principal says to me, you need to take them to this address and bring them back, but make sure before they get on the van that they all give you a proof of traveler's insurance, okay? so that if anything should happen while you're down in the United States, they'll be covered. Does that make sense? Okay. So they all get on the 15-passenger van, they hand me their proof of traveler's insurance, and I get to the last guy. Last guy, let's, let, let's call him Fred. That wasn't really his name, but that's the name I always use. So let's call him Fred. <clears throat> Fred was about my age. He, the grade 12 was like the best four years of Fred's life, okay? So he loved it. So I'm like, hey, Fred, can I have proof of your traveler's insurance? And he says, no. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, because I kind of need it, Fred. He's like, well, I'm not giving it to you, and I won't, but I'm still coming. I said, I don't think you can, Fred. He said, well, come over here and talk to my mom. My mom wants to talk to you. So I went over, and I talked to Fred and his mom, and Fred's mom said to me, do you have faith? And I said, yes, I do. Do you have faith in God, she asked. I said, yes, I do. She said, do you have faith in Jesus? I said, you know what, let's just pretty much the whole Bible stuff, I have faith in all of it. We can just, yes, I do, okay? She says, no, you don't. Because if you had faith, you wouldn't need traveler's insurance. Okay, but you get it? We want speed, simplicity, and certainty so badly that what we'll do is we'll take a wisdom decision. Is it wise to get traveler's insurance? I'll leave that up to you. But what we want to do is we want to turn it into a, a moral decision because it's just simpler it's speedier, it's more certain. I'll give you another example. The next time we have an election in Canada, who knows when that's gonna be, but the next time we have one, you will have segments of the society that tell you it is morally right to vote for candidate A and morally reprehensible to vote for candidate B. In the same culture, in the same church, we'll have other people going, it's morally right to vote for candidate B and morally reprehensible to vote for candidate A. You see what I'm saying? You, you take a wisdom question, but you try to turn it into a moral question. It causes trouble. Years ago, there was this author named J.K. Rowling. And she wrote a series of books about this little dude named Harry Potter, you know? And I just remember there was a group of Christians that said, you, you can't read that. You can't read those Harry Potter books. It was weird because the people I talked to about it had never read them themselves, which I found odd. But they said that the reason you can't read them is because they talk about magic. I said, huh. But you like the Narnia Chronicles, right? And you like the Lord of the Rings, right? And so, so what had happened over years is like, I think we, we decided that like C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Narnia Chronicles, and J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings, they were kind of Christian superstars, so they were okay. Now, is it wise to read the Harry Potter books or not? I don't know. That's up to you. But you see what we can do real quickly? We want speed, simplicity, and certainty so bad that we turn wisdom questions into 
moral questions. There's been a couple times in my lifetime when there's been this whole big group of church people. This is actually a serious story, okay? It's really happened. They decided that they could not use a specific toothpaste or, this actually happened. No, it really did. Or mouthwash or laundry detergent. So then you got these church people walking around with B.O. and halitosis, and you're like, what, what's, going, you know, what's going on? And the thing was, they said, it's the logo. It's the logo. The logo of that toothpaste is wrong. There's something inside of you and something inside of me that we really want speed, simplicity, and certainty. So we'll try to make a wisdom question into either a moral question or sometimes a factual question. People like me sometimes will stand up on stages like this and we'll say, hey, if you want to you have a good marriage, do you? Really? You want to have a good marriage? Okay, okay. So guys are just like kind of half nodding. Like, yeah. <laughs> I already have a great marriage, Mike. Why would I want a good marriage? Touche, my friend. Okay, well played, well played. Okay. You want to have a good marriage? Here's how, here's how. Take your wife on a date night every week. Well, that's stupid. (laughs) Like, what if you're a complete and utter idiot? And I stand up and say, hey, idiot, take your wife on a date night every week and you'll have a great marriage. No, you won't, because you're an idiot. No, 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 listen, listen. But, but we, we, have this, we, we have this gravitational pull towards speed, simplicity, and certainty. Now, might it be a wise thing to take your wife on a date once a week? It might well be. I'll leave that to you. But I don't think we should take and make something factual when it's actually a wisdom question. When I was waitering years ago, I waited with this young woman, and she said, let's call her name Michelle. Michelle said, I would never date a guy who was under six feet tall. Never. I was like, wow, Michelle, why? She's like, because I would never marry a guy under six feet tall. I know, I get it, I get it, okay? So, but, I mean, but I mean, why? And she said, because when I was a little girl, I said, I'm never going to be with a guy under six feet tall. I'm like, so you're like a ride at Disneyland. You know, I feel like if, if, you, if you can walk under this line, I can't go up with you, right? It just seemed kind of odd to me. She was trying to take a wisdom question, who should I marry, and turn it into a factual question. It's kind of like this. You say, man, I don't know what career I should pursue. I'm really going to need some wisdom. And you might have people say something to you like this. Well, that's easy. That's an easy decision. Which one pays the most? Right? Because that's mathematics. We like that. That's speedy. But, but I think the career path that you choose is a little more intricate than that, right? What we want is we want to take these wisdom questions that make up about 85% of the decisions you'll make this year that will largely determine whether or not you live an effective 2024, whether you see more in 2024, you know? And we want to make them as if they are moral or factual questions which is a mistake because you're going to miss the whole point. In fact, one of the descriptions that I read of the book of Proverbs was this. Wise sayings that are generally true. Wise sayings that are generally true. I find that interesting because if you read through chapters 10 through 15 in Proverbs, 
you will see quite a few black and white statements. Lazy people don't eat. Hardworking people always prosper. But then there's this transition into chapter 16 that says, yeah, except we live in a really broken world. So sometimes, lazy people do eat. And sometimes, hardworking people, yeah, they prosper. So, so you're looking at me right now going, okay, Mike, so what exactly is wisdom? I want to take you back to that passage that we read at the beginning, uh, Proverbs chapter 8, which says that wisdom was right there at the beginning. When everything, when the universe was created, created, wisdom was right there. In other words, what I'm suggesting to you is that there's a pattern to creation. Another name for it might be reality. There's, there's a pattern to everything that God created. There's, there's a pattern to every aspect of human existence. I would call it this. I would call it reality. And therefore, here's what wisdom is. Wisdom is discovering and living in light of this pattern called reality. Discovering and living in light of this pattern called reality. I want to stop before I go any further. And I want to say this. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you're a little bit older. Like you're my age or close to my age. Whoa. And there's a part of you looking and going, man, I, I haven't done that. Yeah, I know. But here's the point. This is the year. This is the year that you can actually discover and live in light of this pattern called reality. It'll make all the difference. So what is wisdom? Discovering and living in light of this pattern called reality. Why is it a big deal? Why is it important? Here's why. I'll lead with this. Because you can ignore reality. But you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. You can ignore this pattern called reality. But you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring this pattern called reality. Another way to say that would be this. You can be oblivious to reality, but you can't be oblivious to the consequences of being oblivious to reality. It just doesn't flow as well. There's a pattern that governs every area of human existence. Every part of reality is part of this pattern called reality. You can ignore it if you want. You can but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring it. Maybe the best illustration I could give you is just a simple physical illustration, okay? So there's this pattern of reality called gravity. Gravity says what? What goes up must, right, okay? There's another pattern of reality called aerodynamics. Aerodynamics says if a certain object has certain physical dimensions to it and a certain amount of propulsion, it can actually defy or delay that pattern called gravity for a time. Okay, does that make sense? So I want you to imagine that when church lets out today, I say, hey, don't go anywhere. Just leave, go get your kids because I'm about to put on a show. The January 7th, 2020, you're never gonna forget it. Go get your kids. We're gonna gather around the front. It's, this is, you, it's incredible. This is the kind of stuff you get at Southside Church, okay? So y'all, everyone gathers and I stand up on top of the church and I go, watch this and I jump. And as I jump, I say, I, I believe I can fly. Okay, I believe I can fly. And, and maybe, maybe for like 
a couple milliseconds, I'm flying. You know, I'm flapping my arms like crazy. And it just feels like, but then what, what happens is eventually there comes a crash. What's true of gravity and aerodynamics. See, I, I, I might disbelieve in gravity, but in that moment, I just proved it. Aerodynamics, you know, I, I realize as I'm about to, I have the aerodynamic pattern of a rock, you know, as, as, as I fall. The same thing is true of air, every area of our experience. That's what I'm telling you. That's why we're doing this series. There's this pattern called reality. It governs relationships. You can live in light of it if you want, or you can ignore it. And if you ignore it, here's the cool thing. For a while, you can be like me jumping off the church going, I think I'm flying. But eventually there'll come a crash. That's what Proverbs says. In fact, Proverbs is really, really brutally honest about it. Proverbs says you kind of got one of two choices. You can be wise or you can be a fool. Proverbs says, wise people are those who try their best to live in light of this pattern called reality. You know what fools are? Fools are those who ignore reality and eventually they're going to find out they can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. There's this pattern called reality. It governs spirituality. You can live in light of it if you want or you can ignore it. But if you ignore it, eventually you'll end up in a crash. It's interesting because Solomon wrote most of Proverbs. And one of the other Old Testament books he wrote is called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, he explained what a spiritually crashed life looks like. He said, everything is meaningless. A spiritually crashed life is this. Always wanting, never enough. Always hungry, never satisfied. People on the outside of your life looking, man, looking at you saying, man, you have everything that you could ever possibly want. And yet you saying, it's still not enough. There's this pattern called reality. When you live in light of it, it governs relationships. It governs marriage. It governs family, finances, work, friendship, every aspect of human existence. So we can choose to live in light of it this year. 85% of the decisions that I make won't be moral decisions. They won't be factual decisions. They will be decisions requiring wisdom. Maybe that's why you've met people before. And the minute you meet him, you think to yourself, this person is amazing. They're amazing. Look, look, look. They're, they're so intelligent. They're so beautiful. They're so gifted, so charismatic, so credentialed. And you think to yourself, I can hardly watch, I can hardly wait to watch this person soar through life. Have you ever met anybody like that? And then every once in a while you see, and instead of soaring, you see their life is one crash after another, after another, after another. How can that be though? How can that be? They're intelligent. They're talented. They're charismatic. They're credentialed. What's going on? 
They're not wise. That's it. See, if, if life was a mathematical formula, that person would soar. And you've also met people, you look at them and they're, they're really not overly impressive. <laughs> you know, you're thinking this person isn't that beautiful. They're not that talented. They're not that credentialed. They're not that charismatic. They're, I don't know, it's just, they're just going to slog their way through life. But then you step back and you look at them, maybe not over the short term, but over the years, over the months, or, or, over time, you go, man, they're soaring. You look at their marriage, you look at their family, you look at their parenting, you, you look at their work, you look at their level of contentment, you look at their level of purpose that they've stepped into in their life, and you would have to say, man, they're soaring. But that doesn't make any sense. If life was a mathematical formula, you would look at them and go, they don't have enough talent, they don't have enough intelligence, they don't have enough charisma, they don't have enough credentials. So what's the difference? It's just wisdom. It's just wisdom. The quality of my year this year will be determined largely, in almost every case, will be determined not by decisions based on morality, although I will make some of those, not by decisions based on facts alone. 85% of my decisions will be outside of morality, outside of facts, and into this thing called wisdom. So three questions today. Number one, what is it? It's discovering and living in light of this pattern called reality. Why is it a big deal? Because you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. Third question, how do you get it? That's a really big question. Because the truth is, you guys, and girls. There's something a little bit discouraging about this sermon so far. Because we talked about the fact that 85% of the decisions I make, largely whether my year is going to be effective, whether I'm going to see more in 2024 or not, will be determined by wisdom. 85% of the decisions. That's a lot, you know? See, in some ways it would be easier if I said, no, it's all, it's all about morality. It really is all about morality. Just do right stuff and don't do wrong stuff. I mean, it's difficult, but it's simple, right? You just, or, or if it's about facts. You know, now that you know the Mona Lisa has no eyebrows, it's gonna change your life, gonna change the trajectory of your whole existence. But it's not that. It's this thing called wisdom. And I don't know if you've ever met somebody who just has an incredible amount of wisdom and often when you look at them, you would say, man, I, I got to know their parents and it all made sense. Their parents were really wise people and, and it's just kind of been passed down and now they're really wise. It's amazing. Or if they didn't have incredibly wise parents, maybe somewhere along the line, a mentor showed up, a teacher, a, a coach, a counselor, and just kind of made all the difference in their life. And it's a beautiful thing to see. There's only one problem with that. Maybe you're a little bit like my kids. You didn't have perfectly wise parents. Now what? Remember I told you when I was 23 years old and you know, Fred said, I don't, have a, I, don't, I don't have my medical proof of traveler's insurance. Remember that story? I remember being 23. I mean, it was like six years ago or something like that. Okay, so obviously I remember it. 
Um, I remember being 23. And I remember I would often think to myself, maybe someone's going to show up in my life. Maybe somebody's going to say to me, man, I see something in you, kid. I just want to mentor you. I just want to help you. I just want to cheer you on. You know what's weird? That never happened. Instead, I had Fred's mom asking me if I had faith. Now, does this remind you a little bit of your life? And, and so now a guy, a, a, an old Dutch guy stands on a stage and says, man, the quality of your life is going to be determined by wisdom. But you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't know. Like, and, and, and when we went through the list earlier of like, hey, what, the, what career should I per- pursue? Who should I hang out with at school? Should I get that part-time job or not? What school should I attend? Should I move or should I stay? Maybe even as I spoke those words, there was part of you that almost had an allergic reaction, like you hate that stuff. Or maybe as I mentioned earlier, you're a little bit older now. And even as I speak, you look back at a lot of years and you, and you think, man, like, sure, I, I guess. But is it too late? And I want to tell you it's not. I think there's something significant. I started planning this series, as you know about me, I planned way far in advance, and I knew that this was the series for us today. Not you if you're 17 only, but if you're 77, I believe God has another gear for you. So maybe you didn't have Yoda show up in your life and say, there is no try, only do or do not. Maybe you never had that. Maybe your parents aren't perfectly wise. So what do you do now? I think what you do is you ask. We read that passage at the beginning which just said, wisdom was there when all of earth was creative, created. I wanna jump now into the New Testament just for a second. John, the Gospel of John, chapter one, verses one through three. It says this, in the beginning was the word, and by the way, John is referring to Jesus there. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him and apart from him, nothing was made that has come into being. Gilbert Wakefield summarized John 1, 1 to 3 this way. In the beginning was wisdom and wisdom was with God and wisdom was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by it and without it was nothing made. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Basically, you know what he was saying? I am wisdom. I am wisdom. Throughout history, people have figured this out. People have figured out that the quality and the effectiveness of my life is going to be determined by so much more than facts and morals. That's why there's millions and millions and millions and millions of pages written on wisdom. This year, there'll be thousands of books published about wisdom. There'll be millions of minutes of podcasts published. I found a wisdom author. He was teaching about 200 years before Jesus was born. Jewish wisdom author called himself the son of Sirach. This is what he said. Hey, if you've hung around church just a little bit, I wonder if you might find this passage a little bit familiar, even though I don't think you've ever heard it before. Draw near to me, you who are untaught. Why do you say you are lacking in these things? 
And why are your souls very thirsty? I say to you, find wisdom. Put your necks under the yoke and bear its burden. If you are intent, you can find wisdom. See with your eyes that I have labored for it and found for myself much rest. Does that passage sound a little bit familiar? Interesting though, this son of Siraj, he, he basically summarized all of history's wisdom literature by saying this, find it, bear its burden, put your necks under its yoke. If you are intent, you can find it. I have labored for it. Now there's a passage that might remind you a little bit of it. It's found in Matthew chapter 11, but as I read it, even though part of it is familiar, I want you to be listening for the difference. Jesus said this, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see the difference? No labor under its yoke. Find it yourself. Jesus says, come to me. It's so fascinating to me in the passage because Jesus says, learn from me. What do we need to learn from you, Jesus? He just says two things. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. That's what I want to close with today. You, you want to find wisdom? Just be gentle and be humble in heart. See, in the Bible, gentleness means strength under control. Strength under control. I, I say that to you because some, some of us live lives a little bit like Mike Manis in that instant that he jumped off the roof. I really can fly. I don't know why I said it that way. That was so weird. But, but, but you're so talented, you know? You have so many strengths. You're so gifted. You live in one of the most affluent cultures in all of human history. And, and what I'm saying is, we can convince ourselves for a time that we can actually ignore this pattern called reality. Gentleness says, no. I'm gonna put my strength under control. Under control of who, Jesus? Well, he answers that by saying, gentle and humble. Humble. To humble myself means to come to God and say, God, I'm gonna have a lot of decisions this year. 85% of the decisions that I make this year aren't gonna be moral, they're not gonna be factual. I'm gonna need wisdom and I don't know if I have it. The story of my life, by the way. Wisdom has never come easy for me. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm about speed. Like, I like to live my life at breakneck speed all the time. So years and years and years ago, when I was 19 years old, I recognized that in me. And I said, God, I know what it's like to feel crashed in my life. So I'm humbling myself. I need you. I need you to give me the wisdom that I don't have in my own strength. That's it. That's it. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment of reflection. I have two main questions for you today. Here's the first one. I said earlier that we're looking for more in 2024, but it's tough because sometimes what gets in the way is the pain of our past and the fear of our future. 
And I, and I guess what I wanna tell you is that Jesus came to set you free from that. Jesus died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven, so that your hurts could be healed. If you're stuck in your painful past and you wanna move on, your first step is to ask Jesus to be your savior. Or maybe you're trapped in the fear of the future. What I'm telling you is that Jesus didn't just die, he rose again. And when he rose again, what it means is that we have eternal life that starts now and stretches into forever. So man, if you've been trapped in the fear of the future, your first step towards more in 2024 is to ask Jesus not just to be your savior, but to be your redeemer and your Lord. So with all eyes closed and all heads bowed, if today is the day to accept that gift of salvation that Jesus purchased for you through his death and resurrection, I want you to just raise your hand nice and high so I can pray for you right now. It's amazing. If you're watching online and it's safe to do so, I would love if you could raise your hand also. Now with all heads bowed and all eyes still closed, I got one more question for you. And, and, and this is for you if you're, you've been following Jesus for a while. You've been following Jesus for a while and, oh, if your hands are up, you can, yeah, you can put them down right now, that's awesome. But the truth is you're a little bit like me. In your own strength and in your own knowledge, you don't always have the wisdom that you need. And, and you're looking ahead to 2024 and you just want to humble yourself and say, God, I need you. I need you. I got a lot of big decisions this year and I need wisdom that goes beyond my own abilities. If that's you, no matter how long you've been going to church, raise your hand right now because I want to pray for you also. incredible. Okay, you can put your hands down. Let's pray. So first of all, God, for those who raised their hand initially and said, I want to accept healing and forgiveness. Jesus, I thank you that you died for just that, for healing and forgiveness. And for those who raised their hand and said, I, I, I need to be freed from this overwhelming fear of my future. Jesus, you rose again for just that, to give us that assurance that we have eternal life that starts now and stretches into forever. Thank you, thank you. Lead me one next step at a time, God. And for all of us who have been in church for a long time, who raised our hand and said, I need wisdom that goes beyond the wisdom that I have. God, I just pray as we humble ourselves, you say that you give grace to the humble. Man, we're far, far, far from perfect, God. But we're before you and we humble we humble ourselves. We need you. We need you for all the decisions that we make this year. I pray that you would go before us into every spectacular moment. Lead us and guide us. We love you and we thank you in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate. So guys, I love it. I love it. I love it. We're going to keep this thing going next week. Bring everyone you know, and I'll see you then. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.